Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Good to be with you. Um, just, just to say, um, Kath was wonderful with the notices, as usual. Um, the CAP launch is going to be this coming Tuesday, the 20th of July, and not Thursday, if that had at any point have been said. Um, great. And now we continue into the preach. So um, I'm going to read to your hearing Psalm 100. Um, so I'd love to encourage you to find it. If you have a physical Bible with you or you have a phone, um, let's go to Psalm 100. Psalm 100. There are many Psalms that speak of Thanksgiving, but this is the only Psalm that comes with the wee subtitle, um, a Psalm of Thanksgiving. And here is what it says. Shout with joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him singing with joy. Acknowledge that the Lord is God. He made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Go into his courts with praise. Give thanks to the Lord and praise his name. Why? For the Lord is good. His unfailing love continues forever, and his faithfulness continues to each generation. This is going to be a talk about Thanksgiving, and we're going to start with Thanksgiving, and the destination is also Thanksgiving. And so before we kick off, I would love to encourage you to hold at least one thing in your mind in this moment that you are grateful to Jesus for. Um, and if you're alive, if you're in this room, I can think of a number of reasons that you should be thankful that you woke up to meet your alarm or not alarm this morning, um, that you perhaps had food to eat or at least some stuff in the fridge that you had clothes to put on and if you are watching at home that you have the means to connect at all love for all of us to hold in our minds one thing that we are thankful for as we come before God in prayer our father we give you praise and we thank you for the gift of being alive today. We thank you for the gift of being together as the people who are known and called by your name. We thank you for your purposes and your goodness towards us in this day and for all time. And Lord, we desire to lift our gaze to you afresh in this day. We ask that you would help us enter into your gates with thanksgiving, that you would open our eyes to your faithfulness towards us in this time, and that we would leave this place, that we would leave this Zoom room, that we would leave the live stream, a changed people who have been formed by gratitude to our good, good God. Spirit, come and lead and guide us, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. 
Amen. Well, once again, good morning. My name is Damalola. I am part of the team here at KXC. And today we continue on a sermon series that was started last week and um, called Songs on the Frontline. And we are going through the Psalms and working out through them what it is to do all of life in conversation with God. Now, last week, Pete laid out for us a framework that is borrowed from a theologian called Walter Brueggemann. And this is a system that he uses to categorize the Psalms and we find it helpful, so we're going to adopt it for this series. And it goes like this, that the Psalms are grouped into Psalms of orientation, where we turn towards God, Psalms of disorientation, when we find out what it is to walk with God in the midst of all of the mess that life throws at us, and then Psalms of reorientation, where we come to acknowledge the faithfulness of God, even as we've journeyed through the valley of the shadow of death. We're going to use that framework as we kick off today um, in Thanksgiving and looking at Thanksgiving as orientation. Now, orientation normally is to plot ourselves, to figure ourselves out in terms of the points of the compass, that there is this objective reality that we're figuring out, situating ourselves within. And that is involved when we think of thanksgiving. Um, but I want you to ponder, what is the distinctive to thanksgiving as a Christian? And if you're here and you're not a Christian, you're so welcome. If you're watching and you're not a Christian, you're so welcome. Um, what is it that is different as a Christian to thanksgiving. Now, thanksgiving or gratitude or mindfulness, these things have benefits for all people, regardless of whether or not you are a Christian. It does us all good to take our eyes off our problems, off of our, um, off the things that are unpalatable or uncomfortable in our experience, and to try and zone out um, and focus on the things that are positive. And um, that has beneficial effects for everybody. What's the difference here? Well, a while ago, I was reading a book that put two um, former atheists, one current atheist and another former atheist, in conversation with each other. And you might recognize their names. And one is a man called Richard Dawkins. Another is a man called C.S. Lewis. And there's a quote from Lewis in the book that captured my attention. Um, so Lewis used to be an atheist. And then over the course of his life, he became, to, he became a Christian. He came to trust in Jesus. And here's the quote. He says, I believe in Christianity as I believe the sun has risen, not just because I see it, but because by it I see everything else. Not just because I see the sun, but by it I see everything else. Now, the rational mind was important for Lewis. It's part of how he made sense of his faith. It was important for him to understand Christianity on rational grounds. That stuff made sense. Um, and he came to believe that it did. But it's not just that his faith made sense. It was that his faith in Jesus helped him make sense of the world. And if we stay with this sunshine thing, we all experience and benefit from or wilt under sunshine on a day like today. Um, so sunshine is universal in our experience. But it's one thing to see the sunshine. It's another thing to connect it to the sun and say it's not just by coincidence that there is a relationship between these things. Actually, it is the sun that is the source of the light, of the warmth, of the illumination that comes from sunshine. When 
saying you're a Christian and not a sun worshiper. You more than just look up to the sun and acknowledge its existence. You see behind all that is good in life that there is God. When we see good in any form, we recognize that it comes from God who is himself the fountain of goodness. And so that's the difference between thanksgiving as a Christian or as a non-Christian. It will still have health benefits for you and mental health benefits for you, benefits to your mood if you practice thankfulness as a non-Christian. But when you are a Christian and you practice gratitude, you're not just thanking the universe for the way things are in your life. You're looking up not just to see the sun, but to see the gaze of your personal God who has made himself known to you and each day lavishes his love upon you. That is what Thanksgiving is as a Christian. So that's what we're going to stay with as we continue on. I want to give this um, definition for Thanksgiving. Um, and please hold on to this as we journey through our talk. Thanksgiving is to receive all of life as a gift of God's love and to express gratitude to him for it. Again, for any note takers in the room, shout out to you. Um, Thanksgiving is to receive all of life as a gift of God's love and to express gratitude to him for it. And we see in this psalm that there is a lot of expression. So shout with joy to the Lord all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him singing with joy. There is the image, there is the sense of an overflow of praise, of wonder in the light of who God is. To give thanks is not just to affirm the reality of God in our minds, though it most certainly is that, and that's where we need to start. We need to recognize God. We need to remember him. But it's meant to lead into an overflow of praise. You express yourself when you are grateful. Now, I know I tend to be on the more expressive side of things when it comes to all of life, basically. Um, but And so it's important to consider what does expression look like across different personality types, across different cultural backgrounds. Um, it's not going to look the same. Um, and so no pressure on you if it's not really your thing or not your um, dominant way of expressing yourself is to be particularly outward um, with it. I um, read a book recently in my house, and I must confess, I picked it up to disagree with it, so we weren't starting in a good place. Um, but the title of the book was Why Men Hate Going to Church. And I picked it up, and I flicked through it, and I, um, at some point, had the reaction that I thought I was going to have. At other points, I was like, okay, do you know what? Maybe, maybe there's something to this. One of the points was that men hate going to church because of singing that singing is a massive turnoff for men. I don't know if any of the guys in the room find that this resonates with them. Um, I made a point of thinking of every single man I know who loves to sing um, in that moment. And praise the Lord, Pete Hughes gave me a very quick example. But um, that, was, that was the thing. Men hate singing. They hate, it, it exposes them. Um, they can't always find the right key depending on who's leading. It's just an altogether uncomfortable um, experience. And you know what? I rate that. Like, if, if that's your thing, it is what it is. But I do contrast that with a site that I saw last week as I cycled home from church. See, I live in southeast London, so I made my way back home. And as I was at Bankside approaching Borough Market, I was 
um, my ears were assailed by the sound that was arising um, ahead of me, up ahead. I could tell there was something going on. I couldn't quite make out what was going on. Of course, as I keep pedaling, the sound is getting louder and being drawn to this sound of jubilation, of like ecstasy. It's like huge. I can't quite make out any words. It's just this booming noise. And I keep going, and I um, get to Borough Market. So the market is on my left. The light is ahead of me. Providentially, the light stops in time for me to have a look into the corner to see what's going on. And I see an assembly of hundreds of men. And there must have been no corona in that environment, because they were all packed together like sardines. And this sound is going up, and I'm trying to piece together what they were saying. And now I'm wondering whether or not you two want to hear what they were saying. So I'll let you know. I'll let you know what I heard them saying. They weren't saying it. They were singing it. And this is what they were singing. Baby, you're the one. You still turn me on. Football's coming home again. <laughs> Wasn't that something? <laughs> what is it that makes groups of hundreds of men burst out in atomic kitten with amended words. What is that? What's going on in that moment? Now, of course, alcohol was in free flow, so they were disinhibited, and that's part of why they were able to express themselves in that way. I note that. But that's not all that was going on. See, the alcohol didn't create the joy that was within them, but it did make it easier for them to express that. It made it easier for them to not have so much regard for what they sounded like and who was on their right or who was to their left. And they had a sense of a security in the community that they were with, that they were with like-minded folks. And you know what, the, um, the hope of what was to happen that evening was holding them, was propelling them to overflow in this sound. Now, far be it from me to to encourage you to get wasted before coming to church on a Sunday or before your quiet time at home. But I do think there is something in that. God has made us to be those who experience things internally, but who express them externally. And there is something, and I want you to consider what it is for you to come into this environment or to come into your home environment before God and to be so disinhibited because of the lavish love of this God that you put your hands in the air and you wave them like Thank you. Thank you for not leaving me hanging. That we express ourselves in fullness because of who God is. We don't care what we sound like. We don't care what people think of us. And so I want to encourage you ahead of next Sunday, get those um, vocal exercises going. Come with lungs full of air, ready to express thanksgiving to God for who he is. What would it look like for us to have in this environment, a place of community where all our voices drown into one song as we lift up our praise to the one who was and who is and who is to come. There is something in thanksgiving of allowing ourselves to sit in the security of God's love, but not just to sit in it, to pour it out in how we live our lives before him, to express ourselves. 
But expression in Thanksgiving is not just about how we sing on a Sunday, how we raise our hands or don't raise our hands. Um, we express our thanksgiving to God in how we live, in how we make decisions, in how we go about our lives. To express thanksgiving to God, we find in how we live. Now, verse 3 says this, Acknowledge that the Lord is God. He made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Look at how central his being is in this verse. We come to orient ourselves around this God who is bigger than we are, who is greater than we are, and yet who has invited us into fellowship with himself. An adjusted view of God is essential to our thanksgiving, and it's essential to living life in the light of who he is. Now, what does it look like to make decisions from a place of thanksgiving to acknowledge God in what we do? Well, there are two verses in the book of Proverbs um, that many have found really helpful. I am one of them, and so I'll share it. It's Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. It says, trust, trust in the Lord. Do not lean on your own understanding in all your ways, in everything you do, in every decision you make everywhere you go acknowledge him and he will direct your path that gives us a picture of what it looks like not just to come on a Sunday and to express ourselves before God but to let that witness of thankfulness of gratitude to him seep into every moment to shape the fullness of who we are and yet trust um, trust in God is a place of utter security and yet to enter into that security we need humility. Now, humility is a beautiful Christian word. Anytime you hear teaching on it, you're like, that's a really good thing. I really rate that. When it comes to living it, however, it can be a whole different ballgame. I'm not going to put that on you. I'll just own that in my own experience. I really like humility as an idea. It's less clean in practice. Um, and there's one, um, I mean, there's many instances. It's probably one of the things that the Lord takes me back to the most. Um, but one instance in particular of me needing to come before God and utter dependence and um, not having anything to boast of before him and just live my life, embrace my situation as a recipient of his kindness. And this was about five years ago. I was living in Belfast um, and I was in a sitch with a live-in landlord, um, which for some of you might go well. For me, it's never happening again. And um, basically things fell apart in this relationship, um, mainly because he was kind of dodged. I'm just going to put it all on him. He's not here to share his side of the story, so it is what it is. Um, so yeah, things went a bit awry, and he gave me notice, right? He was like, yo, after today, you've got one month, and then I don't want to see you in my house again. I'm embellishing a bit, but once you give someone notice, that's the gist of what you're telling them. And so I um, went to my room, and I was like, okay, Lord, this is the sitch. And I felt God say, like, it's okay, it's right, don't fight it. It, don't push back, just um, I have something else for you. So I went about my life with the, with the measure of security and confidence. The Lord has me, I'm going to be all right. Um, the days keep rolling by. I keep not having a house. I keep looking for a house, but I keep trusting in God, holding on to this word that everything is going to be okay. And then when it's getting to like day 26, I'm like, okay, Jesus, what's going on? Um, and what I get from him is not a key to a new house, but an assurance of his presence, which is, of course, really nice, um, but not a place for me to move my stuff into in four days' time. 
And then I, um, I hang out, I was part of this worshiping community that met every Friday night and I was meeting a bunch of people there. And one of um, the girls there who is now a dear friend um, said, you know what, we've got a spare room in our house. She hadn't even cleared it with her parents. She's like, we've got a spare room in our house. Come on through. Um, and initially I was like, oh no, I don't. <laughs> This is really kind and it like sorts me out for a few days time, but this is like wildly magnanimous. I can't tell them a clear definite timeline of when I'm going to leave. So this feels quite uncomfortable, but I didn't have anywhere else to go. Beggars are not choosers. So I packed my bags. I headed to their house um, and in the midst of that environment, they showed me such love and kindness. But honestly, my skin crawled basically every day as I was getting into this house because I was like, this is really kind of them. This is distinctly uncomfortable for me. I am not providing for myself. I'm basically living off of their kindness. Um, and it was really, really rubbing me the wrong way. And in the midst of it, I got a prophetic word. And it was basically um, along the lines of, God has you where you are for a reason, and he's calling you just to receive of their kindness. Um, and you'd think that that was the easiest thing, but actually it was really hard. Now, I'm grateful that God sustained me through the experience. I think he shifted something in me, hopefully for the rest of my life, that acknowledges that everything I have, be it comfortable, be it uncomfortable, comes to me from the kindness of God. And even in situations that I don't understand, he's working something in the midst of that so I praise him for it and yet in the midst of it it was hard and there is something of a reliance on self that is just not going to stay it just can't work when it comes to thanking God to thank God is to receive from him to acknowledge him in the midst of what we're in what we're going through so I want to encourage you to ponder what does thanksgiving look like for you in this situation that you're in today um, and yes it should have an expression when we sing and when we gather together but what does it look like when you're on your bed alone at night or with company if that's your life situation and you're pondering how things are going um, are you seeking to grasp security in yourself or are you willing to let yourself free fall into the waiting arms of God recognizing that he is the one who is holding you all the time to thank God is to see good and to recognize him in the midst of it. But it is also to see him and to know because he's there that all things are working together for your good. Thanksgiving is to see good and see God, but it is also to see God and see good. And that is how we come to give thanks in moments of disorientation, where things are really turned upside down, where things are not going the way that we want them to go. Verse 4 says, enter his gates with thanksgiving, go into his courts with praise. And I do believe this is the key to handling moments of disorientation well. It won't always look like jumping around, waving a flag, any of that stuff. But it is through the habit, cultivating a heart, a lifestyle of thankfulness that we enter the gates of God's presence. And when we are in his presence, we can unwrap all of our stuff. We can share all of our burdens at his feet. 
It might feel counterintuitive, but thanksgiving is key to handling moments of disorientation well. That practice of going before him, of recognizing all of life as a gift of his kindness is so key to being able to process when poo hits the fan well. So we enter into his gates with thanksgiving. And in the midst of that, we can know thanksgiving to be a lifeline. As we look up at Jesus, as we choose to see his hand in the midst of what we're going through, it helps us not be subsumed by the darkness around us, instead pointing us to hope that is always secure in him, no matter the waves that presently threaten us. Thanksgiving is a lifeline. And there are a number of organizations that we partner with here at KXC. We heard of one of them a moment ago, Christians Against Poverty. Don't know why I'm directing your attention to a black screen, but that's where it was a moment ago. Um, and another organization, the International Justice Mission, or IJM. And both this, these organizations, they work with people who are going through some of the darkest seasons of their lives, cap with those who are facing debt issues. And um, IJM, people facing a number of issues, um, particularly particularly those who are um, suffering or being exploited in the midst of human trafficking. And yet the people who work in these organizations, the people who front these movements, um, are some of the happiest people going. And what is that about? Is that naivety? Is that them just telling themselves fun stories before they go to bed at night and listening to their mindfulness app so that everything is okay when they wake up? No, it's not a retreat from reality. It's entering into that reality, acknowledging the presence of God in the midst of it. Some of the people who are most robust in moments of real tragedy and weakness are those who have made their home, who have found life in the practice of thankfulness to God. And we always have an opportunity to practice thankfulness to God. It might not always be appropriate to practice squatting, but you can always practice thankfulness to God. That was meant to be funny. Thank you, Anna, for laughing. I really appreciate that. Stay at KXC. Amen. Um, so Thanksgiving is a lifeline. But what happens when you've not practiced Thanksgiving? You've not been on that vibe. Um, what, what does Thanksgiving mean for you in those moments? Thanksgiving is a lifeline, but it is also and can also be a sacrifice. We've seen Thanksgiving as the overflow of gladness and joy, but there are times when it is really, really difficult to see the hand of God, to acknowledge anything that is good. And yet there is a place for thanksgiving, even in those moments. Psalm 50 verse 23 says, and this is the Lord speaking, giving thanks is a sacrifice that truly honors me. That's what he's looking for when he looks at your heart, when he looks at my heart. What is it that my posture is even in the pit of life? You see, because Thanksgiving, if we, if we stay with our um, maxim that Lewis said of thinking of the sun and the illumination it provides, um, when we inhabit Thanksgiving, we recognize the sunshine that flows from God, and that light highlights beauty. It helps us see good where we can't see good, but it also exposes darkness, and it can make it uh, more stark, the difference that we experience between the warmth and security of life with God, and yet you finish your quiet time, you head out into the world and everything's a bit of a free-for-all from that moment but because of his enduring presence all is held together in him 
So we thank God and in thanking him, we are oriented towards him. We turn towards him as we practice thanksgiving. It sustains us when things go awry, when things go wrong in the pit of disorientation. And yet because of the nature of this God, disorientation is never the final word. It's never the final part of the story. I love that testimony that was shared in our prophecy time around the Lord and blessing a couple with the gift of a child after their years of waiting because our God is a faithful God and perhaps in every situation we we don't yet have the conclusion we're hoping for or things might not actually manifest in the way that we're hoping for but we stake our confidence not in the first instance in the circumstances but in the character of this God look with me again at verse 5 for the Lord is good His unfailing love continues forever and his faithfulness continues to each generation. Because faithfulness is upholding your life, because goodness and mercy follow you in every season, you can trust that God will make a way. There's a saying that African-American churches say, and they say, he may not come when you want him, but he will always come on time. And part of how that works is because he's the one who holds time. So if you're here right now and there's a situation that feels irredeemable and, or is just so difficult to get through, I want to let you know that the God that I'm speaking of from Scripture is the God who is the same yesterday, today, and forever, who can part seas in order to deliver his people, who sends manna from heaven to sustain his people, who can come through in the nick of time, who can can come through when no one else can come through who is a deliverer this is what he is like and this is who he is and so we give him praise for that